What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hi, and welcome back to Foreign Office. This is Michael Weiss, Director of Special Investigations at the Free Russia Foundation. We're having an urgent back-to-back set of interviews this week, uh, and the first is with my friend Andrei Sanikov. He is the former presidential candidate in Belarus, a political prisoner of the Lukashenko regime, and the, the leader of the civil campaigns of Europe, Belarus. Uh, and Andre, it's it's great to have you on. And obviously, the news this weekend, which is both shocking and surreal, I could think of no better guest than yourself. Basically, the Lukashenko regime and the KGB, the the active intelligence service in modern day Belarus, hijacked a plane, a Ryanair flight that had left from Athens, Greece, and was inbound and, and very nearly reached its destination in Vilnius, Lithuania. KGB operatives aboard the plane faked a bomb scare, forced the plane to divert and land in Minsk. And the reason for this, the entire purpose of this operation was to kidnap a very prominent Belarusian journalist and blogger, Roman Protasevich, who was aboard the plane, I believe with his girlfriend, and who was indeed taken into custody and is now under arrest in Belarus facing the death penalty. And as he was being taken off the plane, he pleaded in a very kind of heart-wrenching way with Ryanair cabin attendants, please don't let them get me. Andre, this is something sort of out of the 1970s, Carlos the Jackal style international terrorism, except unlike in the 1970s, this was conducted by a European state. It's sort of shocking to me, although I, I suppose I, I can't afford to be shocked anymore at international developments such as this. Tell us the latest, what you know. Can you give us uh, some background on Roman and the kind of work he had been doing? and why you think, I mean, you were both a victim of this regime as well as a student of it in terms of understanding the thought processes that, that, that are involved such as they are and the brutality uh, brought to bear on Belarusian Democrats and civil society actors. T- tell us, first of all, what, what was your impression seeing this news yesterday? Yeah, hi, Mark. Happy to be with you. My impression was shocking, but at the same time that uh, it was expected because, you know, only over the last several days, we had the shocking news of uh, one of the major media internet sources uh, by being raided and uh, journalists arrested uh, in a very brutal way, although the Tutbai is known for its very, let's say, not so strong position against the, the regime. Right. They tried to quite balanced position, let's say. Mm. Then we had the shocking news of one of the political activists and, of course, in in prison for fabricated charges, uh, Vitor Tashurok uh, died in in penal colony. Yeah. It was, of course, shocking because he was uh, just 50. And uh, as his wife, uh, uh, the official reason was given that uh, the heart attack. But his wife uh, informed us that uh, he never suffered of any heart problems. Mm. And then came this uh, accident with uh, with Ryanair, and uh, it was immediately known that the reason, as as soon as we knew that Roman Protasevich was on, on board, it was clear that the reason was uh, him. And uh, yeah. it was shocking, uh, as you said, uh, that the whole operation was uh, organized uh, against the European airline 
flying from one European country to another European country, moreover, from one NATO country to another NATO country. Yeah, and from one EU country to another EU country. Yeah, and uh, that was forced to, to land in Minsk. It was really the act of piracy and act of kidnapping. Yeah. But at the same time, I want to repeat again that it was expected because very soft, very mild reaction of uh, international community and first of all, European Union and what was going on and is still going on in Belarus uh, was encouragement for such kind of activities uh, of Lukashenko. And now, of course... Let's go over some of those European Union reactions. Joseph Borrell, who I suppose you, you can call him the foreign minister yeah. of the EU, certainly the foreign policy chief of the EU, came out and with a rather strange formulation that this is inadmissible, almost like he was referring to evidence submitted in a court. He was followed by, I forget which official who called it unacceptable. And then, you know, shockingly, the, the transport minister of the EU, yeah, yeah, yeah. when the plane took off and was going to its normal destination of Vilnius, said great news for everybody and their families. Not great news for, for Roman Protasevich, who is still in, actually, he was just one of, of a few people. You And I saw you had tweeted about this. What do we know about whom the, the KGB in, in Belarus kidnapped? It wasn't just it wasn't just Roman, right? It was his girlfriend, yeah. who I believe is a Russian national, and then there were, I think, other Russian passport holders aboard that plane who didn't get back on it, right? Yeah, we had different uh, information, uh, different rumors. That uh, the latest I heard from uh, some BBC sources that there were five people that didn't board the plane to Vilnius. It was Roman and his girlfriend and three others. Yeah, presumably one of them is of uh, Belarusian citizen and two others are Russian citizens. But it doesn't say anything. We have many Russian citizens living in Belarus. And I, I would say many Russian citizens, not many, but uh, I know that some Russian citizens are working for KGB. It's more convenient right. <laughs> to have Russian passport and work for Belarus. Well, clear, clearly the operatives who fake this bomb threat did not get back on the plane because I mean, yeah. they, they landed in, in Belarus. So, but them aside, we still don't know who else has been taken hostage apart from Roman and his, his girlfriend. No, we don't know that. Tell us a little bit, Andre. I mean, look, in the West, it, it can be frustrating writing about a country such as Belarus, which I've done from time to time, because people don't really have an understanding. I mean, it's it's the cliche is that Lukashenko is Europe's last dictator. But give us a sense of the, the kind of very Soviet style system that persists in this 21st century European country. I mean, we, we've alluded to the fact that their security service is still known as the KGB. Uh, that's rather evocative. And I think most people can appreciate the, the import and significance of that. But you yourself were imprisoned and, and you were tortured by these guys. I can't think of anyone better to, to give the full kind of scope of the tyranny and the brutality of, of Lukashenko's dictatorship than yourself. Give us a sense of what is it like to be a political prisoner in Belarus? Well, it is uh, life-threatening, definitely. And that's why we're all worried about Roman Protasevich and his girlfriend. Well, about Roman, but because he was declared to be a terrorist, which is also, you know, it's outrageous. Yeah. Because the guy is uh, is a journalist. He's uh, running quite popular Telegram channel instead of his friend uh, who is also being tortured in KGB, who will be tried very 
quite soon. Uh, he is already in Hobel, transferred from Minsk uh, and facing the trial together with uh, Nikolai Statkevich and uh, others. Igor Losik is his name and uh, Roman stepped, instead of him, uh, he took care of the of the channel, Telegram channel that he was administering. So it is very, you know, it is, you have to expect anything there. And especially now, because when I was in KGB, mm, prison and after that uh, sentenced and uh, went through very dark times. There were still some, you know, uh, red lines. Although I was barely saved by international pressure, but there were some red lines for others. Uh, and uh, today it looks like this red red lines disappeared and uh, yeah. that there is uh, really an insane and psychopathic regime that is being very scared and that is why it is uh, hitting the people because of its fear yeah so i think that uh, what, what could be done for roman is uh, to really increase the pressure but the, the attitude you you rightly quoted this romanian uh, commission on transport that that is the attitude let them uh, let the regime kill the belarusians and torture them because they they, they don't want freedom that that's the attitude and uh, we'll take it uh, as, as a humanitarian case and uh, i hope that after this uh, real threatening accident with Ryanair, people will understand what we are telling all the time, that it's a threat to international security and first of all to European security, this regime, because this regime is in Europe. Right. This regime is threatening Europe from military point of view, and we are expecting another major military exercise conducted by Russia on the territory of Belarus, Zapad, uh, 2021, right. which is very aggressive. It, is, it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, defensive exercise. It is really an offensive exercise against directed against Europe. So I hope that this accident will be really the, you know, alarm sounding very loud that uh, the measures have to be taken, not just statements. It's sort of, I think, very um, interesting to see that at the EU Eurocrat level, there's this very tepid, pathetic reply to an act of state terrorism or piracy. But at the national level, particularly among former Soviet satellite countries, Warsaw Pact nations, foreign ministers have been coming out very, very robustly condemning this and calling it what it is, right? Hijacking. I've seen the foreign ministers of Poland. Latvia, Lithuania. Last August, when there was this protest movement in Belarus against another stolen election, of which you are well familiar, having had (laughs) the election that you ran for president and also taken away, you know, we saw brutal suppression and crackdown. It was happening, though, whilst the pandemic was raging globally. There was not that much American coverage of this protest movement. We saw the rise of several now prominent or increasingly prominent women activists, politicians who were essentially trying to rescue their country from dictatorship. And they were they were trying to thread the needle, walk a very careful line. I suppose I shouldn't even put it like that. That's too cynical. It was a genuine sense of this is not a pro-Western or pro-EU demonstration such as we saw in Kiev in 2014. This is just anti-Lukashenko, anti-dictatorship and pro-democracy for Belarus. So, you know, even within the Belarusian opposition, there was not this sense of we condemn the Kremlin or we want to tilt away from Moscow. At least that wasn't the sense I got covering it. And yet we've seen particularly in the last year or so, my God, before the buildup of troops at the Ukraine border, the biggest concern, certainly among Western governments and intelligence services, was that Putin might 
annex Belarus, integrate the entire country into the Russian Federation. So the patronage of Lukashenko by the Kremlin and this this almost inextricable bond between these two dictators seem to, if anything, grow. Let me ask you this. To what extent do you think Russia had any either foreknowledge or complicity in this operation? There's all kinds of theories now bombinating on the internet. Well, if they're, they had Russian passports, uh, the KGB operatives that were doing this, that doesn't mean anything. As you pointed out, there are plenty of Russians in Belarus who could work for their own service. But do you think that Lukashenko would have been so bold as to conduct an act of piracy in European skies without permission and authorization from Putin? I think he would, yeah. I think uh, that the Kremlin definitely knew, had some information about this, but I don't think that they expected uh, this kind of uh, cynical and aggressive behavior of Lukashenko. I don't think they expected such an open aggression against European uh, countries, European citizens, European airline. And uh, to prove uh, it, I, I heard the statement of Peskov, who is not uh, hurrying up to, to support Lukashenko and to rescue him in this situation. And uh, uh, in other words, I think that... Uh, in my view, although I never, <laughs> I, I myself say always that uh, logic doesn't work when you speak about Kremlin and Lukashenko, but <laughs> it is not very logical for Putin, who is very much interested in meeting with Biden, to have this kind of uh, emergency situation in Belarus, which he supports very strongly. And uh, especially now when he managed to achieve some results, unfortunately managed to achieve some results on North Stream 2. Right. To bring it again into the, uh, with a question mark in the context of his relationship with the United States. So I think that logically it wouldn't be approved by Kremlin. And Lukashenko is known to, to be a bully and not paying much attention even to the Kremlin advice. So he, he he's a threat. And I, I would think that he is also, it is common knowledge that uh, they hate each other with Putin, but I think that he is making Putin's situation more difficult than Putin expected it to be with, with the support. And so I, I expect that there will be some connection of uh, sanctions when, when they follow the, with, with the Kremlin as well. At least uh, uh, there will be explicit language on, uh, on the Kremlin support of the regime that is a threat to international security. Mm. It is interesting, before the, the last election in Belarus, uh, you know, the messaging coming out of Russian state media and also, I mean, intelligence service controlled disinformation portals. There was one website that, that was subsequently outed as a GRU run front. It was very hostile toward Lukashenko. There was, as, as you say, I mean, they, they, they don't like him, even though they they are wedded to Belarus for strategic purposes. But, you know, you mentioned Peskov, but Margarita Semenyon, the editor-in-chief of RT, came out yesterday, I think on Facebook, and posted that yep. this was a beautiful operation. I've seen now also uh, members of the Duma. There doesn't seem to be widespread condemnation from key Russian government stakeholders or their their emissaries, whether in the information space or whatever. And I'm wondering, yes, this is awkward and the timing is not exactly ideal, but what is the United States? You said you think that, that the Biden administration will do sanctions against Russian interests for this operation. I have to say, I don't, I don't necessarily agree. I don't, I don't see them gearing up to, you know, scuttle this summit between the president, both presidents, American and Russian. And also, I don't see them trying to wind up Nord Stream 2, as you pointed out. I mean, they issued a waiver last week for Matthias Warnig, 
former Stasi officer, rumored to have been recruited personally by Putin yeah. in East Germany, who is the CEO of the German company responsible for Nord Stream 2. So yeah. Biden seems very intent on resetting relations, not necessarily with Russia, but certainly with European NATO allies who had felt left out in the, the cold under the Trump administration. But as you know, there was that operation almost a year ago, the Wagner mercenaries who landed in Minsk and were detained by the KGB. Mm -hmm. And the supposition at the time was that Lukashenko had entered into some kind of agreement with Ukraine's SBU, their domestic security yep. service, to arrest high value targets in Wagner who had taken part in the war in Donbass. But from what I gather and, and from what information is going to come to light soon in Ukraine and, and as part of a Bellingcat documentary, this was a very elaborate SBU sting operation and the plane was meant to have been diverted to Kyiv and it went sideways at some point in the operation and that's how it landed in Belarus. So it doesn't seem like Lukashenko was doing the dirty on, on Putin on that one. It seems like he was caught unaware and simply panicked and didn't know how to react and, and so arrested these Russian paramilitaries who accidentally wound up in Minsk. Can you get a little bit into sort of this dynamic? You said earlier, you, you see Lukashenko as so kind of brazen and illogical as to do something very shameful and, and embarrassing uh, for Putin at an inopportunistic time. But there seems to be a dance taking place all the time, right? I mean, if Putin tomorrow decided Lukashenko has to leave power, I think that would probably do it. This regime relies on the good graces of Moscow, does it not? Yeah, it does. And it is uh, the only source of support today is Moscow, and that is why Moscow is really playing the game with Lukashenko. But with those people from Wagner company, I think that Lukashenko didn't know exactly what, what to expect, and he was scared. Mm. And that is why he arrested them, and he sent his son to arrest them. And he really didn't want to expect, and all of a sudden, the, he got the information that those are mercenaries, but he didn't get any information about their purpose of being on, on the territory of Belarus. And yes, it is now, uh, we still don't know much uh, about this uh, SBU uh, operation with uh, connected with them. And we don't hear much explanation from Russian side as well. But uh, for me, it is clear that Lukashenko was so scared that he decided to better to arrest them and to prevent them from moving anywhere because they were quite dangerous for him. And uh, he was expecting uh, the, the very turbulent election, although he tried to tell everybody that no, nothing would happen in Belarus, but it did happen. So I think that he is really under enormous pressure. I agree with you that Putin could easily remove him. And uh, it is becoming more and more easy for Kremlin because uh, I would say that uh, the majority of Siloviki, uh, the majority of his uh, repression apparatus would eagerly subordinate themselves to Kremlin instead of Lukashenko. I see the, that he is psychopathic and insane, and he is hurting their own interests in Belarus. And uh, besides uh, uh, other people who are considered to be oligarchs in Belarus. So I think that uh, in general, the, there is a very interesting dynamic now. When I said about the sanctions against Russia in, in connection with Lukashenko, I didn't mean exactly the US sanctions. I meant uh, EU sanctions because you mm. you were right to point out that Baltic states and Poland and uh, outside the uh, European Union, Ukraine and uh, 
other countries are very worried and they do connect uh, what is going on in Belarus with the Kremlin support and they do demand, uh, their politicians uh, do demand some uh, measures to be taken against Kremlin. And uh, uh, you, you mentioned foreign ministers, but it was not only foreign ministers, the presidents of Baltic states, all of them spoke out on this uh, accident with Ryanair in, in Minsk. And that is the happening for the first time as uh, also the president of Poland and, and others. So I think that the, the situation is very, very, let's say, favorable for taking some serious decisions to protect the security to protect the uh, security in Europe, not not if uh, they don't care much about Belarusians being tortured <laughs> and arrested. In, but they should yeah. uh, take care of their own interests. Well, let, let's talk about the state of Belarus now, because, you know, again, it's been almost a year since the, the protest movement. What What is the mood amongst whatever's left domestically of the opposition that hasn't been rounded up and arrested or sent into exile. I mean, it, it seemed like Lukashenko successfully navigated this crisis. I mean, using violent methods, of course. But what do you see as the, the sort of near and perhaps midterm future for the country, particularly now? I mean, given the reaction to this, if, if this does gain momentum as a, an international scandal and lead to sanctions, et cetera. Well, I, I don't think that he successfully navigated uh, himself through this crisis mm. because he didn't gain anything. Yes, he managed to stifle the protest with fear, with violent uh, actions. And we have now arrests and uh, all kind of uh, persecution of people on a daily basis. But he is not really in charge in, in, in Belarus anymore. He is in charge of uh, interior ministry, KGB and uh, secret services, but not the economy. Mm. The economy is in shambles and it's uh, on the verge of uh, collapsing. He is getting more and more signals that uh, there will be no credits coming, not even from uh, Europe or, or the Western world, but even from the, third, from the Arab countries or Russia. Mm. Because he is, he is very toxic and nobody would really care to connect uh, any long-term plans with him. So I think that he is, what, what he is doing, yes, he managed to put a lead on, pro on protests, but he managed to uh, ignite such a hatred towards himself mm. that is really prone with, with explosion very soon. And the hatred, the hatred extends to what had traditionally been his kind of core constituency, right? Yeah. Uh, the more rural kind of peasant community, uh, which also turned out and denounced him. And that to me signaled, I mean, if it didn't happen last year, uh, it, it does not portend well for his longevity that he's losing his base, as it were. Oh, yeah. He, he lost his base, actually. Yeah. Because he is now, he's, as I said, he's not controlling the situation. And he's controlling only those who are responsible for the repression, those thugs. But uh, he, he is not uh, delivering anything for any social and professional group of population in Belarus. Mm. And moreover, he is not really uh, controlling the power block because we hear all the time about the defectors. We hear about suicides of former and uh, even current officers of uh, police and KGB and uh, all others. And we we know that they are under an enormous stress because they are they don't know anymore how to explain to their families. And the, the families are being ruined now mm. uh, all over Belarus of those uh, people who are serving Lukashenko. So 
he is trying to pretend that he is controlling the situation. He is trying to project this image of uh, being still a strong dictator, but he is not. He's scared. And frankly, what happened in the in Minsk airport yesterday shows uh, how scared he is. Because Roman, of all people, Roman Protasevich is not uh, the most dangerous and not uh, <laughs> enemy of Lukashenko number one. Right. He's a journalist. Before that, there was a very strange arrest of uh, plotters in Moscow who plotted, allegedly plotted against Lukashenko, trying to kill him. But these people, we know them. They are <laughs> the least, uh, you know, the characters that uh, simply cannot, nobody would believe in Belarus that they were capable of plotting some violent activities against Lukashenko and his family. So he's, he's scared. He's... Uh, doesn't know what to expect. And uh, we, we observe very closely the situation. We see that he is meeting publicly only with the people in uniform. He is not meeting with the government because, because he is not really, he's afraid probably to meet with the government right. because of the horrible situation in the economy. And uh, he's trying to have an image uh, of a strong man, but uh, it is very dangerous because, you know, he is uh, this accident with Lufthansa. Uh, flight in, in Minsk today. It, it shows for me, it means that he's trying to cover up what happened with Ryanair. Yeah. With very awkward activities. So just what, what you're referring to is there was another yeah. alleged bomb scare on another flight to make it seem, I suppose, that there's a kind of um, epidemic of international terrorism related to Belarus. Uh, and I saw even the, the Belarusian authorities had alleged that Hamas called in yeah. the Ryanair bomb scare when it was very apparent to all aboard the plane that it was the KGB operatives themselves who claimed they found an IED aboard the plane or whatever. So it, he, it's very clear this is a desperate and paranoid regime. I mean, and also, as you point out, Roman is not public enemy number one in the country. I saw, uh, I think uh, it was Svetlana Tikhonovskaya say yesterday that a week ago, she had been on that exact same flight route yep. from Athens to Vilnius, passing through Belarusian airspace. And she could have easily been the victim of the same kind of operation. So that the KGB missed her, but instead did this for a journalist. You know, it, it seems almost, I hate to put it in these terms, but for a police state of this nature, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, as it were. They didn't get the leader of the opposition. They got a guy whose name most people in the West hadn't even heard of until yesterday. But actually, he is more dangerous for Lukashenko. He he's mm. right because he's a journalist, and he's Lukashenko now is trying to smash all the mirrors. Yeah, and <laughs> without recognizing that there are more and more mirrors appearing, there are more Telegram channels, more even TikTok is working now <laughs> to, yeah. on political side and websites and others. So uh, I think that I, I can tell you the secret and I can tell Lukashenko the secret, who is enemy number one of Lukashenko and his regime. It's the people of Belarus. So he he, he must realize it and step down. Yeah. Well, listen, Andre, I mean, it was great to have you on, as always, uh, to talk to you. I, I, I miss seeing you at, uh, at the Leonard Mary conference in Tallinn. So I hope after the pandemic is over, we can sit and have a beer like in the old days. Let's hope, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the story is developing, and um, uh, tomorrow I'm going to host uh, Linus Linkovicius, the former 
foreign minister of Lithuania, who is a very stalwart ally of, of Belarusian democracy, as you know. And so, look, he has a very strong voice. Yeah. He has a very strong voice. And, and he's, he was outspoken a year ago, and he's, he's certainly going to be outspoken tomorrow on the show, I hope. But let's have you back to talk more uh, as we as we learn more, because I, I have no doubt there's going to be some great investigative reporting as to how this all happened and who was involved and who knew what when. So it would be great to have your insights when we do find that out. Yeah, look out for black swans. They're already flying. <laughs> exactly. Well, Andre is great. You guys have been listening to Foreign Office. I am Michael Weiss. My guest this week, Andre Sonikov, former presidential candidate in Belarus and a political prisoner of the Lukashenko government. Thank you.